On this week's full-time roundup, it's all about the Cubs. We also take you through what happened midweek domestically. Plus, we get you ready for this weekend's fixtures as well. Predictions and all. Full-time roundup starts right now. Welcome in on a morning edition of Full-Time Roundup. I am in the driver's seat today, Daniel Brackett. Matt is across from me. Matt, how are you doing on an 8 o'clock on a Thursday? Doing well. Usually we do these live in a coffee shop. I have not had any coffee yet this morning, so I uh, actually just rolled out of bed. Um, and so we'll, we'll get this bad boy going, but uh, good to see you as always. Sunny, sunny day here in Charlotte and uh, looking forward to talking about some footy as always. Yeah, the weather has been amazing the last couple of days. Um, the, what is it called? The, when the hour comes back is next week. Daylight I savings. Time. Daylight savings. Daylight savings. It's very early. That's why I couldn't remember that. But that's coming back next week, which I'm looking forward to just so the sun doesn't set at 630. Um, and you know, which is still better than five thirty, by the way. So you know, it is, but it. just to show you our dedication to you fans and to the game, we're, we're waking up, working around schedules here at right, you know, crack of dawn in the morning. So just wanted to give ourselves a little shout out here. Um, but there was a lot of, you know, games that took place this, you know, midweek. So let's go ahead and dive into it. And the first game that, I wanted to, to kind of touch on here was this West Ham Brentford game. I mean, West Ham absolutely suplexed Brentford and they've been on a run of eight uh, games without a win West Ham have. So this game came in to as a huge surprise for me. Yeah. I mean, it kind of was a strange one, but given where Brentford have been of late, which we've talked about and just their form haven't, hasn't been very good. Um, but it was surprising that they put up four from a West Ham perspective. Of course, uh, Jared Bowen with a, with a hat trick and uh, looked really good and, and honestly been one of their star players for the year, uh, just you know, consistently had to do a lot and play out of position every now and then, especially with you know, Mikel Antonio not in the lineup for, for very much of the season of late. And then a big piece that came back from injury was uh, uh, Pekita, who you know, really kind of is the the I would say the maestro of this West Ham team. Obviously he plays that you know that more forward midfield role um similar to a, a Kevin De Bruyne or uh you know kind of a Phil Foden if you will for Man City and and he really was he's been missed you know the last eight games he was out with an injury and you could see either there was something missing you know connecting the midfield to the to the forwards um, or just, you know, lack of depth. And so it was nice to see him back. You, you want to see good players back on the pitch and, and really a, a different team uh, from what David Moyes' perspective than what we've seen of late. And it, it, again, a little bit of credit to them, but also a, a testament to just, you know, where Brentford are right now as well in their, in their cycle for the year. Yeah, I'm Brentford are just such a weird team. They, you know, They'll pull up with a, a ran. They're kind of like wolves in a way where they just like, you know, you, you'll see a game. They'll look fantastic and they'll crush an opponent. And you're like, all right, well, Brentford's back. Thomas Frank, great manager. And then they had these like weird runs where, you know, Liverpool absolutely battered them, but then they keep it close with City. 
But then, you know, a lot of people probably gave them, you know, the favorites to win this game. And then they concede three goals in a matter of 20 minutes. So I'm not sure if Thomas Frank's, you know, praise and like he's going to go get a big job this summer ship has sailed. But, you know, especially with Tony being back the last two months, I'm starting to kind of rethink my Thomas Frank takes. Um, especially when he was like lined, like a lot of people were shouting him out for the Liverpool job. Absolutely not. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm just not impressed with them at the moment. And then I'm sure they're going to go and like have a great performance this weekend and make me look dumb. Well, they definitely are going to beat Chelsea. I've been saying that to buddies of mine uh, all week. Um, so that's going to happen, especially given how Chelsea played yesterday. We'll get to that later, but I, I'm indifferent on Thomas Frank. I, I think you mentioned Ivan Tony being out for significant, basically the entire first half of the season um, with the betting suspension. And then you look at the lineup top to Tune bottom. Tune into our show, by the way. <laughs> yep. Uh, Ivan Tony will not be there. Uh, I wish. That would be pretty fun. But if you look at the lineup top to bottom, this, this lineup is not that good, Daniel. I mean, there's really no one here that stands out to me. You know, Christian Norgard in the midfield, you know, Danish national, uh, Matthias Jensen. I mean, you're looking at these guys that are, they're not anything special. And so he's doing the best that he can, you know, with what he's got. Ivan Tony is clearly by far the most important player in this team. And he, again, he was out for an entire half of the season. So it's tough because we've talked about it before. And I've talked about it at length with a few other folks too, that I think Thomas Frank missed the boat on leaving and taking a bigger job when he had a chance. You know, Brentford was top half of the table last season or the year before and had a really nice run, nice surprise after coming up from promotion uh, and just kind of was that name, that hot name um, doing things, you know, that I think were really, really impressive. Uh, but then the longer that you're in the Premier League, the longer that your squad is not consistently adding the depth and, and the talent of the likes of the top half, it, it, it catches up with you. This is the hardest league in the world for a reason. And I think you're seeing that. I don't, I don't think that takes away from the type of manager he is, though. Um, so it would be interesting to see kind of where he would land next. I do think something, again, that we've talked about, you know, somewhere in the Bundesliga wouldn't be the end of the world for him. Uh, even if he was able to move up, maybe maybe a Newcastle takes a flyer on him. Uh, if Eddie Howe goes, you know, that that's an improvement of a roster for him from what he's playing using at Brentford. So something like that, where it's not a top tier team, but kind of that next level, mid mid level team um, and, and has some resources. I think you would see Thomas Frank develop back into that manager that we've seen uh, more more recently than, than of this season. Yeah, I definitely think he should test the abroad waters um, if I, you know. Had to be honest here. I don't think he should stay in the Premier League. Um, but you, you mentioned a, a ship has sailed, and I'll tell you what ship has not sailed: Girona. You know, we've been we've been really hard on Girona. They've you know had some interesting you know r results, I guess you could say, as of late. But they they won big against Rayo Vallecano, and obviously the red card uh, that was you know early in the second half definitely helped with that, but they looked back, they won three nil and you know, they're right back where they started in second place. Yeah, of course, two goals late. So the, the, the scoreline's a little skewed, right? Um, Savio, the Manchester city player got two in, in 90 plus, 
um, to make it three nil. So real, you know, it's, they, they still count. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's part of the game. And so, but it was an interesting game, Daniel, from a, you know, just the way it played out. Of course, first half, very, very uh, KG zero, zero back and forth. Of course, you know, Girona has the dominance in shots in this game as, as they're at home and, and you expect them, especially with Ryo playing that very defensive minded counter counter style that they play generally uh, in the league. But I was surprised it took Girona 52 minutes to get on the board. And then once they did, you know, that kind of brought Ryo out a little bit more and Girona was able to play kind of what that style, that, that nice, you know, um, some version of ticky tacky that they're trying to play there. Not, not a full version of it, but they do play a little bit more passive, expansive and, football, uh, expansive football for sure. Um, and, and they kind of just dominated the second half and uh, it, it is a good bounce back win for them. Uh, they needed one, especially given, you know, the, the last couple of games. So I, I don't think they get the title still, but it's nice to see them continue to, to stay in the top four race. I know I, I said they were going to, to submarine Crash and plumb it down. Yeah. Um, and, and again, there's still a lot it? of time. I, you know, there's still time. Um, because here's the deal, right? They're playing, they play teams like athletic club and they lose, they play real Madrid, they lose. Um, and so those are Whoa. the teams that they're going to have time out, time out, time out, time out. We, but we have talked about this before. Oh, when absolutely. It comes to, you know, they did lose to real Madrid. But also when we also spin zoned at one time to to Barcelona when they beat they crushed Barcelona, they beat Atletico Madrid. So you know, it is a mixed bag. I will agree with that. It I is. See that it it's is. Mixed and bag. they still have to play those teams again too. And that's the thing. And they played Barcelona when Barcelona was atrocious. To be fair, so that's a different time now. And now there's different ramifications in the standings when those two will play again. Uh, I'm just saying that, that when they play the top teams that they're supposed to be competing for in that top four spot, and even an athletic club who's fifth, they, they're not getting the points that they need more recently. And so that's the concern for me is how how do they go up against a Real Betis who they still have to play again? They have to play Athletic Club Madrid. Uh, they have to play Barcelona again. You know, so that you know, and and that's. That's without potentially dropping points to one of the other teams that could catch them, you know. So that's at least potentially on paper three three realistic. Not saying it's going to happen, but three realistic losses right there that you could you can genuinely say is a coin flip between those three games. And then again, can a Valencia catch them, you know, on an off day or something like not catch them on the table, but an off day and, and drop points there? Um, again, that's why I'm saying it, it's not as consistently safe to safe bet as saying an Atletico Madrid or Barcelona finishing in the top four. I, we'll, we'll see what happens. There's a long way to yep. go. Yeah. Seven points from, or there's seven points ahead from Atletico Madrid in fourth. There are 10 points from fifth. So I'm feeling pretty good about, you know, it's a, it's a tall, it's a tall order to lose it for sure. But I'm just saying it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Now, there was a couple things I thought about this match that was interesting. The first one was a tactical switch, and we'll get to this a little bit you know, in a different game that happened. But it seemed like Michelle tweaked and played Sagankov um, at the 10. And he's played on the right you know, most of the time. But he played through the middle and scored a goal. And I thought that was a nice little tactical tweak. It seems like Girona and you know teams were starting to figure them out a bit. And Dubovnik and Sagankov, the two Ukrainian players, 
kind of were at at the start of the season probably the best players. Then Savio stepped in, you know, for a while, and so I thought playing Sagankov through the middle with Savio and then Porto Porto on the right was actually a really interesting, um, you know, tactical switch. Plus, we're talking about Dubovnik, who's been fantastic this year, but he also missed like three sitters, which was very unlike him. So I'm feeling good about Girona still. You know, in my last thing about Girona is really Savio. You know, you mentioned those two goals. They were garbage time goals. I'll, I'll definitely concede that. I mean, it seemed like Ryo just kind of gave up and he was just on a tear. But that makes it 14 goals and assists in 26 games. I think it's 7-7 seven and seven currently. How the hell did this guy not play for Trois last year as they got relegated in Ligue It blows my mind because he's been one of the best players in the entire La Liga this entire season. He's probably going to go to City. Oh, he's done. It's already done. It's, it's done. done. He is going to City in the summer. And he couldn't even get minutes for a shitty league inside. That's crazy. But it's a testament to show you that no matter what one manager thinks of you, you can always bounce back when another manager, you know, another man, manager's trash is another manager's treasure type thing. It's really interesting to see. And we've seen that more as of late, but I always love shouting it out when it happens. Sounds like you want to get your boots on, Daniel, and potentially find a manager that wants to bring you on. The sound Dude, of it. they've been missing out. <laughs> they've been missing it, out. I've been it was interesting, though. It was interesting, though, that you mentioned, you know, the, the change in the formation. Of course, Savio does get the two goals, though, coming down the right-hand side when when that's He's usually been on where left, he plays. Right? Yeah, he has been on the left, but he likes playing down the right-hand side. So uh, even though they made this tactical switch in the game, um, when, when Stuani came on off the bench, you know, for Dubravnik, they, they, Stuani can really only play up top. Um, and so that kind of re resets the, the lineup for what they've been playing. So, uh, it was interesting, you know, it's definitely a testament to the manager that's seeing that he has to make changes. I think a lot of players and a lot of coaches, um, are, are very set in their ways of staying in, in the same formation week over week. And, and kind of gets, like you said, people can read tape and, and, or watch tape and, figure out how to play against you. Um, and so a little bit of a tweak here and there, as long as your players are comfortable making those changes, which sometimes they're not, especially if you're very set on the right foot or your left foot and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but in this case, it, it was a nice little tweak and something that they could implement going throughout the season. You never know uh, what that could look like and and when that could be useful for them. So either way, um, I'm not set yet, uh, but it's making it a little bit more challenging when they're 10 points clear with this many games to go um, but we'll see what happens no absolutely and as we pivot to Serie A there was actually a lot of action that happened um, this weekend or this midweek you know slate and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and start with with Inter just because we're fresh off the win um, I believe I believe we predicted this match um, on sure Sunday did. and sure you Congratulations. I sure did. I sure were right. Did. And you you do this once a week where you throw an absurd scoreline out there that I just genuinely cannot fathom. And that was this week's. And it panned out very well for you. I so had congratulations. Three, I had three technically. So actually enter one up to me. But thank you. I appreciate that. You know, every now and then you just throw a random one out there. 
but this one felt like it again enter this wasn't as random as it might have seemed for some others i would never put six on the board for napoli which we'll get to in a second but you know enter enter playing the way they're playing and they're just like i said even on the show on sunday they're on a mission and it just seems like there's no stopping them right now and they're the best team in Italy by far. Uh, now 12 Country points mile, clear. Not even yeah. close. 12 points clear now at the top. Uh, and so they really wanted to send a message. And now they're now they're level on games with everybody. Uh, and so this was that last chance to really put the foot down and say, hey, this is ours to win. Um, and that's why I felt they were gonna, you know, put a put a message out there. And they did. Um, you know, four nil against a good, a very good Atalanta team. Um, and and it just like I said, this is clearly the best team in Italy, and it's not even it's not even really in doubt. No, it's not. Um, now I will say I was able to watch this match. You know, had the laptop on while I was watching you know, on the, the Paramount Chelsea on the Paramount. Yes, because um, I was interested because I I thought you know Inter rested a couple players, so I was like, all right, well, is a full strength Atalanta side going to be able to? You know, maybe give this inter trouble who doesn't have Taram and doesn't have, you know, Kalahanglu and a couple players like that who have been just immense this season. And uh, the answer was no. Um, Karnaseki, the Atalanta goalkeeper, I guess you could argue that he was kind of at fault for the first two goals. He he made like a challenge and it went outside the box and then it ended up, you know, that was definitely being, his fault for being sure. a goal. And then the second one was kind of the same, but it was like, there was still action for 10 seconds before the goal happened. But Latara Martinez, absolute thunderbolt with his weak foot outside the box. I mean, it, when, when a striker is in form like that and everything they just touch turns to gold, it's really fun to watch. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's been, he's just been so good. He missed the penalty and it still ended up being a goal. I mean, that's just how it's going for him. So I, I was disappointed in Atalanta's performance, but it seemed like it was really more individual errors plus a called off goal early in the game that really decided their fate. Yeah, just for clarification, um, he missed the penalty and did not score. But DeMarco in, scored. DeMarco scored. Just wanted to but get still, that down. There. I mean, yes, no, when I you totally miss a agree. penalty, it's yeah. like, how yeah. how do you, you know, that rarely happens. Yeah, no, that. absolutely. And that that left foot of his, that that strike was a great finish. You could even see Marcus Taram's face. Uh, they did a little cutaway, I think, and he kind of was blown away by, by the finish itself. So we talk, we've talked about this man. He's just one of the best, most pure goal strikers right now in the world uh, continues to show it. Now, again, we'll see what happens. I think it's next week that champions league is back. If not the week after. So we'll see what he can do. Week. We, what he can do against Atleti. Um, that that's really, you know, where they're going to need him. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Yep. They're the most informed team in Europe. I'll say it. Don't really care. I, I genuinely believe it. Um, and one last storyline from this game before we move on. You know, you know you're doing really well when your manager is now being talked about for you know the Barcelonas, Real Madrids, big teams in the world. And Zaghi's still on contract till 2025. I think Inter are going to move fast and you know sign him up with a new deal again, a bumper contract, if you will. Um, but he he has proved so many doubters wrong, and 
he just outcoaches every single coach these days, and it, it's really remarkable to see. Um, so I really wanted to give my praise and flowers to to Inzaghi here. But on another note, we talked about Crush. You mentioned it earlier. Napoli might be back. Now, still not doing great in the table, but they absolutely annihilate Sassuolo 6-1. Osimhen with a hat-trick. Kvetschelia gets in on the action with a brace. You know, they have a new, some somewhat new manager in Calzona. We talked about it before. Um, but Sassuolo actually sacked their manager before this game. So I was thinking, all right, maybe this is going to be a new coach bounce at home. It's a good spot for Sassuolo. Not at all. Not even close. It was bad. Very bad. Of course, Sassuolo does go up 1-0. Um, and so you they do, do. kind of you kind of wonder if that bounce is coming, especially given the way Napoli have played. Uh, they've been very poor all season long. Um, back, I don't know if I would go that far. They're still not going to make any noise in the in the table. But that is correct. There, there is a big matchup in the second leg against Barcelona coming up. So could they find a little bit of form for that um, and, and continue to run in that tournament? That I guess could be quantified as back if they make it a, a decent run there. But um, for the amount of talent that this team has, it's been a very very disappointing season. Of course. We alluded to it earlier, you know, the hangover from winning the title last year. At some point that that needs to be removed, though. You know, there's only so much grace you have from a, you know, a hangover, if you will. Um, so, you know, ninth place right now, it's really disappointing to see. Um, but it was nice to see them get on the board in the way that they did. And, and the players that you mentioned, um, you know, getting getting a little bit of form. And again, um, if I'm Barcelona, I'm looking at the way that they played the second half of this game. And saying, okay, that that's more like the Napoli that we've seen, and we need to keep an eye for this in case they they come to the camp or Manjuic and and do this uh, to us. So we'll we'll see what happens. Fantastic pronunciation there, Matt. Um, you know, Osimhen scored a hat trick, got in on the action. You know, else who scored a hat trick? Paulo Dybala. Ageless wonder. Ageless wonder. The eight. He's thirty years old, which is hard to believe for me, at least. I I still remember when he was kicking at Juventus as like a a semi wonder kid. But you know, he's at seventeen goals and assists this season, best um, statistical season since seventeen eighteen at Juventus. Um, they're two points behind the Europa spot, four points uh, back from UCL, and De Rossi seems like the guy. He seems like the man, and we have talked about how former players, legends of clubs, come in and usually just absolutely suck, and he has done the opposite. They knocked out Feyenoord in the Europa League. They've absolutely climbed up the table. He replaced Jose Mourinho as well. This is not just some nobody who he replaced. He replaced one of the best coaches of all time and completely fresh in the squad, and they just look like a completely different team. I mean, we're talking about Aroma, who has two Leeds players who had an abysmal season last year, and now they look like completely new players under him. I'm just very impressed with what he's got going on. Dose. Yeah, of course, of course, only one loss uh, to Inter since he's taken over after the Milan match. And that was um, close. And that was very close. Uh, 4-2 is not indicative of, of how that game played out. Um, yeah, they're, they've been very impressive. And now you mentioned only four points back from that UCL spot. I think 
if if it's we're still talking about the race in that middle section, it's down to three teams, and um, you know that it, Roma, Atalanta, and Bologna are, are really the teams fighting for those those last three European spots in Italy. Although depending on what happens uh, with teams, and we'll, we can get to that at a different date, might be five teams for Italy in, in Champions League. So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, it's been very impressive, and, and you know he's always been a class player um and, and you know you just wondered as we've seen not every legend of the game has has converted to a decent manager um and so this, it's been nice to see him come in and of course he was given a shot not only because of his name um but because of what he's done previously at, at other clubs as well a little bit just to give him you know a, a chance at his former club um and, and then luckily enough it's worked out so far um and, and they've only done you know, like you said, climb the table. So we'll see how much further they can go. Um, they have Monza this week, uh, which will be, you know, ideally pretty straightforward. Um, and, and hopefully they can continue to climb. And, and then they have Brighton um, in the Europa League, which was a nice matchup um, going into it. Um, but, you know, with Matoma hurt, uh, it seems like a little bit of a far stretch for, for a team like Brighton. So can Roma continue to run even in Europa League um, and continue that form there? And and then they have a, a pretty decent slate of games. I mean, Fiorentina uh, and then Sosuolo and, and Lecce right after back to back. So you could theoretically look at this team as as fourth place by by April, um, as well as, you know, continuing to, to advance in Europe. So a big a big testament to, to Rossi and, and what he's doing with that squad. Yeah, absolutely. And there's one more game that happened in Syria. Syria was very busy this midweek. Um, and we had a pretty, pretty good clash here between Fiorentina and Lazio, both teams that we really haven't been able to get our finger on um, this entire season. But two fairly good teams, kind of a little bit higher than mid table. But Fiorentina are able to, you know, get the win over Lazio. They leapfrog them in their head by one point. And, you know, for uh, a younger manager and Fiorentina's manager, this is a big win to kind of, you know, get the best of of Maurizio Sarri, who's who's a wonderful manager. Yeah, you mentioned that both these teams are hard to gauge. They can't gauge themselves, I think, too. Um, of course, Lazio... They have a big matchup against Bayern, the second leg coming up. So that's, you know, really their focus probably at this point, especially given where they are on the table. Fiorentina has been a consistent team for the last couple of seasons in the top half. You know, they, they we earlier in the season it looked like they might take that leg up um, and, and maybe fight for a European spot. They're not out of it by any stretch. Only three points behind Roma, but I already mentioned they have that big matchup with Roma coming up and Roma seems to have the schedule in their favor right now. Um, so it seems like a little bit of a far, far cry for them to get in there. But again, they've been pretty consistently, you know, in, in Europe, um, of late, of course, they're still in the conference league as well. And, and they, you know, could, could, could get into a European spot, but I would be hard pressed. Yeah. I'm going to have to agree with that. They just don't have the juice. Neither team has the juice to kind of get over. And I'm kind of feeling pretty good about the top four spots that are, you know, kind of. Yeah. And just to put a finer point on it, like I said, Roma's schedule is Lecce, Sosualo, and Fiorentina. And Fiorentina's is Atalanta, AC Milan. So a little different, a little different. And so that could be the stretch, the the gap there that would take them out. But again, a good, a good, 
mid table squad that you know fills out the fills out the table. Absolutely, it's cup time. Love it, love it, love it. Can't wait to talk about it. We have the FA Cup first. Just kind of going to go down the list here, and then we can kind of talk about games as as we feel. But the Maid's Town fairy tale ends, unfortunately, with a tough loss to Coventry. You know, Coventry are a good championship side. It was um, inevitable, though, wasn't it? It was inevitable. We, we knew that this was probably going to happen. They actually had one of the more favorable matchups, though, I will say, with Coventry. So it's disappointing they couldn't, you know, do the impossible there. But it's so it's so disappointing when someone can't do the impossible. It's it's really unfortunate. Like I I would love to fly, you know, right now, but I can't kind of like them. So Coventry, you know, move on. Ellis Sims scores like at least a hat trick. If I remember correctly, this was on Tuesday before any of the other matches, but we wanted to just give out a sh- shout out to Maidstown. I mean, you Monday. did the impossible last round, so it was on Monday or Monday, excuse me. We still love you, but and we're sorry that that happened to you. But good try, and we'll see you next year, hopefully. Um, next game that that happened was the less or Leicester, the championship number one, who I've been extremely high on, upsetting Bournemouth. I guess you could call it an upset. Slightly underdogs here, upset Bournemouth. Um, in extra time, any, any comments on this game? Wonder goal, um, heck of a strike left foot off the outside of the box, top corner, no chance for the keeper. Little bit of concern, Daniel, for Bournemouth of late. Yeah. I mean, they're a mid table side, probably a little, a little bit lesser than mid table. A lot of people were backing them to get relegated you know, or like be near the relegation zone. They're not really. So this doesn't really surprise me. I feel like Iriola would need like multiple years to kind of actually, you know, do something crazy. But I wouldn't say I'm worried, but their form has been not great as of late. They haven't won a game, won a game in a month. And that was against Swansea. So it's true. They, they're a very hot and cold team. Yeah, I mean they've they've drawn, they've gotten, they haven't you know lost every game, but they haven't won outright won a game since January twenty fifth, which is a little it's concerning. Not a good stat. Not, not a, a good, good stat. stat. <laughs> so it is concerning, uh, and they do get a nice potential option if they lose to Burnley this weekend. Then I think it's time to really that's panic button. Really that's panic, panic button. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But you know, Lester, I was really interested to see um, what they do in this match. I mean. My Harrison on the betting show actually took Lester in this match, so I was wanting to tune in just to see how that was going. I thought Bournemouth in regular time had some really, really, really good chances to put it away and just couldn't do it. And I went to extra time, and it seemed like they just kind of ran out of gas. I mean, Solanke didn't even play. They ha- they do have some injuries. I think the the introduction of Tyler Adams in the next couple weeks could really you know, boost the ranks there at Bournemouth, but I'm not pressing the panic button, but I'm, I'm also happy that my take was good about Lester being legitimate. They look good. It was like a B lineup and they still, I thought, you know, you know, tested their, tested their weight against a premier league opponent. So I'm, I'm fairly happy on all fronts here. Yeah. Championship side hasn't won the FA cup and I think 40 years or so. So it'd be interesting to see if they can pull it off. Of course, we both think that they're, a pretty decent um, 
Premier League side next year when they do get up. Obviously, it looks like they're going to get automatic promotion. So uh, you do think that they're going to be at least a better than the top three, the bottom three that are in the Premier League right now. And of course, they've had Premier League success, not only just winning the title, um, of course, but just being usually a pretty consistent uh, Prem team. So it'll be interesting to see. Now they do get, uh, who do they get in the next round? Oh, they get Chelsea uh, yep. in, in the next round. So uh, probably win for them. Uh, and then they'll be on to the semifinals. So we'll see what happens. Yep. I love when you're negative about your team. It's the best. Um, another game that happened was Newcastle. They played um, Blackburn Rovers. Sorry, I was blanking for a second. And I thought I was watching or witnessing Eddie Howe, you know, getting the sack right after the game with that game. I mean, they dominated for the most part. They, xg and they had the better chances blah 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 i know you hate xg i don't care but yeah they concede kind of late to go to extra time you know they didn't look great in extra time and penalties was was kind of interesting so i was like is this eddie's how like is this the end because i literally said on sunday show if they lose this game he's definitely out and so they survived We'll see what they can do this weekend, um, but I don't. I wouldn't say that the the vibes in the Newcastle camp are are great. No, definitely not great. I would not use great in this context. Um, it, it it it's the cup though, and and to your point, you know, it's one of those things. They had to go on the road to Blackburn, which historically is not an easy place to play, whether they're in the whatever division they're in. Um, they're they're you know, historically Blackburn Rovers have been and mega club um wherever they've been and they do have support there and so it was a great environment um but yeah it felt like newcastle should have put this one away early and and credit to blackburn for for getting that equalizer about 10 minutes after um anthony gordon scores and and the place erupts and you felt like this was going to come down to the keepers both keepers made unbelievable saves and, and throughout the game uh, Debravka ultimately gets the the better end of the Blackburn keeper. I forgot his name uh, in, in PKs and and advance. Um, and so that's again in these types of environments in these type of tournaments, survive in advance. You know that's what you're looking for. And, and now they they get a, a pretty difficult matchup against the next team that played um, in in the week and uh, Manchester City, who steamrolled Luton six uh, two. And so that's going to be an interesting matchup between. You know Newcastle and Manchester City. I think to your point, if if Blackburn had beaten Newcastle, it's a much difficult, much more difficult conversation for Eddie Howe than if he gets steamrolled by Manchester City in this round. So um, I think you know now pressure's off there a little bit. Um, need to get some form though in the league as as they're they've been struggling as well. Another team that's been struggling in the league. Yep, you mentioned steamrolled Manchester. Certainly do that against Luton with six goals to two. Holland. Five goals. Five. Or five. Wait, five? Five goals. Shit. I completely missed that. Five he has goals. more he has more goals in that game than Marcus Rashford has all season. That that is true. I saw that tweet. Um and then Kevin De Bruyne happened to assist four of them. So, you know, that De Bruyne Holland link is once again heating up. I don't like February. it. February. It's February. It's they said February. it's time to go. It's time love to go, it, boys. Love is in the air, and so is Kevin De Bruyne's serving up just beautiful assists to Holland. Um, you know, if you're wondering if Holland was back, the answer is yes. 
Now, my only critique of Holland is, I mean, yes, you scored four, five goals. Congratulations. You want a cookie, but you didn't do it in five minutes or whatever Lewandowski did. And so I saw a bunch of those memes going around. And I don't know if you saw that. But it was like Pep Guardiola on the phone. It's like Lewandowski's like, what are you doing, Pep? Take him out, puta. <laughs> like, because it's like he was like, he rattled off three in a row within like six minutes. So I thought that he was coming for that Lewandowski record when he scored five goals. And I, I believe it was like eight to 12 minutes that time frame, which just to even mention, how the hell did he do that? Um, but yeah, I'm scared. Luton, what were you thinking setting up that way? I don't understand it. Like, you basically just were practice cones for city at this point playing impressing them just play the low block they haven't been good recently why why would you give them this momentum going into the weekend i, I don't understand it but it is what it is matt i don't really care whatever sounds like someone who knows that they've lost the title but that's okay that is not true that's what it sounded like to me but that's yeah okay. we've only lost four games and we'll get to us in a second but oh, we, we played won. 57 and we have lost four games so there's there's no no sweat here well apparently just, enters the team in form in europe though so you know it's hard to figure out you know either way it was an interesting decision to play the way they did of course you mentioned the momentum going into the weekend and they will be playing manchester united in the manchester derby who of course played nottingham forest yesterday as the big game of the day uh, two Premier League sides going head-to-head, -head, although Wolves and Brighton as well. But Wolves kind of are always under the radar, and Brighton without Matoma seems to be more difficult. I continue to say that. I just I feel like it's a huge loss for them, and uh, they lost this game to Wolves as well, 1-0, uh, which you know wasn't much of a contest. One goal early in the game after a goalie blunder. Uh, Lamina puts the ball in the net off the, on the ground. Uh, between the legs um, and, and Wolves win 1-0. But Manchester United, like I said, Daniel, Nottingham Forest at Forest. We thought that this was going to be a huge one for, for Eric Ten Hag, just given the context of everything going on at the club. And, of course, they play their rivals on the weekend who could ultimately do something similar to them that they did to Luton on Tuesday. So bigger result here for United or just kind of a – result that you expected them to get a, a late one nil winner from Casemiro. I'm more interested in talking about the goal. That was Casemiro's goal. To be honest, I, I mean, forests are, are not great. Manchester United should be at a standard where they win this game. No questions asked. Now, if they actually do that, we can week out. That's the question that we ask ourselves, which is probably no, but they do get the win. And it looked eerily similar to another goal that was actually called offsides this weekend with, with Liverpool. And I was fine with Liverpool's goal being called offsides, especially within the context of the Chelsea match in the EFL final. But all we have ever asked as fans, non-bias is just for consistency. And, you know, Liverpool's goal gets called off then you see on Sunday, Madrid's goal is not called off with interfering from an offside position. And then you see this is like, can we just make a decision on what offsides and interfering with play is so we can just call it the same every single time? I don't care either way. I just want things to be consistent. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. We all want consistency. I will say, and not because the result doesn't matter. You want It's not going to change that the result. 
But Endo did set a pick, which is a little different than just standing there where Rudiger was for Madrid. And then in this, this instance where Casemiro comes across the player. Um, so it's a little different scenario, but yes, that's all we asked for consistency. Apples to oranges, but like, then you would have to define what is interfering with play. What is the physical oh, no, for sure. of a pick? That's the and kinda... by the way, and, and there were players, former players that have said the Rudiger one historically, you know, before the rule change, that would have been offside. So it's now a matter of what is the new definition of the rule. Uh, again, like the rules have been changed in the last couple of years for, for determining that. And so there's just needs to be the process of fleshing that out further and, and really making it consistent similar to the handball rule. You know, there's a lot, a lot of rules right now that are being changed and altered for the betterment of the game supposedly, but has caused more consternation and more issues with, with their decisions. So either way, United probably should have won this game a lot easier than 1-0, um, but they get it done, and now they get to play your Liverpool, Daniel, in the next round. They do. They do, and it's going to be at Old Trafford, so should be uh, interesting. A little, different, have- a little different than at, at uh, Anfield. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot quieter for sure. Um, but, you know, we have unfinished business with, with Manchester United, especially how we how we drew in the Premier League. So, honestly, if you could have given me any fixture for the FA Cup semifinal, I would have probably chosen this one. Um, the only one I would not have wanted wanted to play was Manchester City. So, would have loved wow. you know not knocking you out of another tournament. So, it was wow. either Chelsea or Manchester United for me. Not interested in Coventry. Not interested in Leicester. Not interested in Newcastle. It's you wow. two that I I had my well. I, I, I like to advance. I, I like to advance, so I would have taken Coventry in a heartbeat. Um, it's fair, but guys, sometimes but. the road less traveled is the best road. Um, so well, maybe the you know guys and get to the final for you, and you can have a cakewalk in the final against Coventry. We'll see. But I'd love that. I'd appreciate <laughs> that. But you know, you, you you touched on Liverpool, and you know, Klopp's kids do it again. They do it again. Never a doubt. I'm just kidding. I thought Southampton opened up the game looking really good, and it just was really about who's going to finish their chances. Eerily similar um, storylines from this weekend. Who's going to finish the chances? Who's going to have that cutting edge? Because I thought both teams played about the same to the 75th minute. Southampton had like four or five really good opportunities to go ahead, did not convert, and then Klopp's Academy, La AXA kids stepped up in a big way. Two 18-year-old goal scorers um, on the score sheet, another with an assist. I'm just going to get on my soapbox for a second, Matt. I'm sorry. I know you've had to hear, hear that a lot recently because of the final as well on Sunday. I don't think I've I could love this club right now more. Like, I'm in – I've, like, you know – We've been in a marriage for for 15 years. You know, you have your ups and downs with with you know your significant other, and right now we're in an absolute renaissance of love here, especially with the kids and the farewell tour. I'm I'm just having such a good time, and I'm just trying to soak in every single moment that I have left with Jurgen because it's going to be hard, no matter who we have as coach next year, to just like draw a conclusion that every single game we're just going to win. I'm going to miss that. Um, 
So hopefully we, we sign the right gaffer, but I mean, he just gives these kids beliefs and then they go on and just drop masterclass performances where they have no business doing. And it's truly remarkable. Jaden Dan's a Liverpool born and bred kid gets a brace. Bobby Clark has just put in shifts. I mean, we have around five to seven youngsters who are playing significant minutes at this rate who, you know, weren't even on loan since before. So I just, you know, I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but I just, I love what Klopp is doing. And this little renaissance with the kids is, is truly amazing for his last farewell season. It just feels different. It, it, it feels different for sure. I think the difference between what you're talking about and what a team like Chelsea is, and we will transition that way, but want to touch on this first is, and you've heard this, if you've been watching the, the shows across the networks and, and just kind of, you know, hearing different takes from, from former players, these kids are uber talented. Let's, let's not doubt that. First of all, um, it's, it's clear. They're obviously 16 years old playing at Anfield, you know, 18 years old playing in cup finals. There's no doubt that they're talented. The, the difference here is that, there is a, a way and a style that Jurgen Klopp wants to play from the top all the way down to the Culture, bottom. DNA. DNA, way of playing, the type of players that they're bringing in. You know, you, you kind of jokingly said La Axia, similar to La Masia. Uh, and and that's, that's what you want to build when you're building a club. You want to build a team that you know exactly what you're getting even from the time you're 10 years old you go into the academy to when you're called up your first game whether that's 16 18 22 whatever it is you're going to play that same way when you come into the first team and that's it makes things a lot easier for these kids uh you saw that in the chelsea game on the weekend they knew exactly how they wanted to play they they it wasn't foreign to them of course there the stakes were high but that's when you're lucky you have veterans like van dyke to kind of settle them down at some points in the game and and kind of teach them and you know you could see the sideline helping them out during that game trying to drag them out you know when they were they got a little narrow they they brought them out yelling at them to come wide so again the the style is there um the system that jurgen wants to play is there and they're getting that training day in day out from the time that they're 10 years old so it's ingrained in their brain and so when you when you're uber talented like these kids are it's not too foreign for you as opposed to a situation like chelsea where you don't know what the hell is going on day to day let alone from the time that you get there um and and so it's a totally different mindset and yes i'm not discrediting the kids because they're fantastic they've come in they've looked composed they've, they've delivered they've given you guys an opportunity to breathe for another week um, with this lineup and, and get some players healthy. I don't know if this if this is the lineup that you want to play against Manchester City on March 10th. Absolutely but, not. No. But no. they at least can maintain and keep the run going um, you know, until those guys get back. And and luckily for you guys, you know, it was Southampton, it was Chelsea, a weaker side. It it is a little bit easier schedule right now, Prague and in, in Europa League. Um, so you have that luxury. We talked we touched on that the other day, but yeah, I mean, it, this is not a surprise to me. It's it's surprising how well they've played. But again, when you're when you're that talented and you have a manager like Klopp who's that that encouraging and and that um, much of a father figure in a way, it, it you know, at the end of the day, it's fantastic to watch and it's going to be interesting yeah. to see who you guys replace him with. It also, you know, comes to the locker room too, right? You know, 
like for example, Jarrell Kwanzaa, the center back, English, 21, 20 years old. Haven't really heard a peep of him until this season. And this guy is he's six three. He, you know, he just plays like with this elegance, like Virgil van Dyke has just like taken this kid under his wing for for months now. And it's like they're just like a splitting image almost when it comes to how like their style of play. So just like little things like locker room tweaks and the senior players like showing the standard to these kids when they get into the first team and they know what to do. It's like, it's not like they're like having to fit and adjust their style. Like you said to, to the senior team, but um, quickly, I just wanted to touch on Southampton as well. Their, their manager, I I've been, you know, fairly, fairly high on him. I haven't gotten to mention it much because we don't talk that much championship, but I was impressed with how they set up. Um, I thought they, you know, their build-up play was was fairly impressive. I'm just a little disappointed, not as a Liverpool fan, completely unbiased here, that they didn't go for it. They didn't start Armstrong and Shea Adams, and I think if they did, then they probably would have won this game. So, if I'm Southampton, I'm I'm really putting all my chips in one basket here, and and they didn't, which was, you know, a little bit disappointing for a neutral perspective. But I think Russell Martin is a very interesting prospect as a coach. Um, yeah, we'll now, see what happens. We, and they're close to the the promotion too, so could they get there? It would be interesting to see. But now we mentioned one side that was in the EFL Cup. Let's go to the other with Chelsea play Leeds. Yes, we do. We do with the extra time winner, um, Mudrick playing through the ten. That was interesting. Uh, I thought you know. This was a B Leeds team, though, and this was a rather A squad for Chelsea, so a little bit concerning <laughs> regarding how tight it was. For those not watching, I'm nodding my head in agreement because this was just a really – I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this. We've already gone pretty long, and we have a few things we want to catch up you on know. too, but um, this was really bad. Just going to just put that out there <laughs> as the way to describe it. Um, poor performance, second half, atrocious, absolutely atrocious. Should be almost ashamed of themselves the way they came out of the locker room in the second half. Um, this is getting concerning now that this is the second time in, in three days that they play this way. I, I don't think Rizzo Pochettino is trying them or telling them to play in a low block um, for 25 minutes and just concede possession at home. I hope not if he is get the hell out of here because we were the Premier League side at home and it looked like we were a fourth-tier team against Leeds. And so um, that's the big concern to me. Granted, we get the result, a, a huge goal from Connor Gallagher late at the in the 89th minute um, to seal it. But, yeah, this was – honestly, I'm concerned about Leicester. Leicester could could easily beat us and could, could beat us pretty handily, um, if I'm being honest, if we play like this. Wow. Yeah, it's a shame that Connor Gallagher couldn't do that on Sunday, but he was able to pop up in the FA Cup. Um, yeah, I don't... Chelsea are weird. I mean, obviously, there's probably a little bit of a hangover um, when it comes to losing and then playing, you know, more than 90 minutes ET as well. So they it was a very similar lineup to the EFL Cup. So... Sort of, yeah. No, no Colwell, no Chilwell to start. Yeah, Cole I mean, Paul came in off the start. bench. Yeah, I mean, kind uh, of. But... No one Kunku hurt, so slightly not our strongest lineup. But obviously, we don't have a strong lineup even in our strongest lineup. So, um, yeah. you know, 
But one's a win though, Matt. Don't worry about win's it. Wins a win. Advance, um, advance. Win in advance. And and the draws are pretty good for next next uh you know next draw so or for the semifinals excuse me so i'm looking forward to that whenever that comes back now we have another cup real quick we want to touch on uh the copa del rey real sociedad get bounced by mallorca um last time mallorca was in the copa del rey final this might date you here matt samuel eto was leading date me then was it due to you well, I guess it dates me too because I didn't even know that Samuel Eto played for Mallorca. Um, I know he played for Everton, Chelsea, uh, Barcelona. There you go, the big win. I don't know if I, you know, missed other clubs here and there because he seemed to bounce around some Turkish side, but I don't remember ever hearing about his Mallorca days. Is this when the name of Eto kind of was established? Again, Did I don't you know, know this. This is, is pre me too. So this is pre you. Oh my god! It was either way. It's a great story. You wonder if the Spanish FA is very happy that Mallorca is there. They given who could potentially be in the final with the second other matchup today on a Thursday before uh, after we're recording this. So we'll keep you posted on Sunday how um, Athletic Club and Athletic get on. Of course, Athletic Club have the advantage going into the second leg with one nil in aggregate. Uh, you would have again. At home, he would have liked to have seen maybe two big sides, um, Real Sociedad and, and Atletico Madrid. If you're if you're the FA, but this is why the cup is the cup, and and it's a great story that Mallorca um, are going to be playing in the final. Now, of course, you know a team in La Liga that sit close to the bottom and um four points away from relegation battle, I think it is, or maybe a few more points, but either way, towards the bottom. Uh, and so it's a, it's a great story. And we've touched on Real Sociedad and, and how they haven't looked quite the same this season uh, you know, of late. And it's just disappointing to see they were kind of that team that we all thought could potentially give a, a good run uh, in the Champions League. They were disappointing there. Uh, they were, you know, or they're still in it, of course, but a little disappointing uh, the way that they've played. And, and then also, you know, um, in the league, they've been a little lackluster too. So it's, it's a, not a surprise um, because any given day, anyone can beat anyone, but uh, not the matchup that you'd like to see probably if you're the Spanish Federation, but bigger story for me on this side, Daniel is going to be the matchup today that we're not going to be able to, to review. Um, but I know you probably have it in the predictions. I haven't gone all the way down there yet, but um, bigger I story. I remember if we predicted it. Um, on Sunday or not? I couldn't remember. Don't know if we did, but either way, let's just oh, get a quick take on it, it here. Yeah, quick take. Yeah. Who who advances for you? And um, if it is not Atleti Madrid, because again, we have time, tough time pronouncing both of these teams when they're playing each other. Is it a bigger story than than if Atleti Club win the tournament? I'm gonna go. I'm back in Bilbao here. Um, Atleti on the road aren't as good. Um, so I, I'm going to back athletic Bilbao to win this. They already have the aggregate. They're at home. We'll probably just play a very conservative style of football. So I'm going to go with them. How about you? I don't want to agree with you. Um, yeah, that's not, I fun. think, I think Simeone finds a way. To your darlings. I know. I think Simeone finds a way the one road performance that they need. They get, how about that? Okay. Um, I also thought the the match itself was was rather cagey, but Bryce Mendez missed a penalty um, early in the game in, in the first half, and then Mallorca scored soon after that. Uh, Mikel 
or Thabal, I think is how you pronounce it in, in the Spanish dialect, um, scored late to, to make it go to ET. There was an absolute wild uh, double block from a, a defender on Mallorca, clears it off the line, volleys it, and then it comes right back at him, and he just blocks it with the chest. And I was like, oh, my God, that's, first of all, how, like, it's just so unfortunate that the the Real Sociedad player, like, hit it directly back at the guy. But what a double save. You would have thought he was a keeper, how he saved both of those. So, you know, absolute heroics. And then, you know, to win in penalties, well done. Well done, Real, or Mallorca. Real Sociedad, you've burned me yet again. I'm upset with you. I'm, I'm I'm done with you. I'm tossing you aside this season. You're like a used toy. I'm done with you. But, um, you know, this is what we live for the cup. So we're going to just take a quick break. Um, and then we're going to come back with a little discussion and some predictions real quick. Appreciate you sticking with us. Um, you know, uh, we, we just started a new XI of the week out on every Tuesday on YouTube. The betting show will be out tonight. Um, subscribe, comment, like on YouTube, on X at Full Time Roundup. Follow, interact with us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and for podcasting. Rate us five stars and download episodes. Be right back. Welcome back. Thank you if you are still with us here. Um, just two quick things we wanted to get to before um, we hit the predictions is that Everton have gotten some points back in their tra- or in their points deduction. So I think it was moved from 10 points to 6 points. And so now they are comfortably away from the relegation zone for now. For now. Because there's a second charge coming out. So we'll see how that goes. Are, are they safe, though, I guess, as well? That's a I good question. So. That I, th- I mean, now they're... They're five points clear. Um, you know, that's not safe by any stretch. Luton, you know, are, are not bad. We've talked about it uh, a few times now. Obviously, the way they played against Man City was not ideal. But I, I to me, Daniel, I don't know if that I don't know if five points is enough the way that Everton play. And especially given the fact that they could get more points, you know, reduced. Now, the only good thing about this is Nottingham Forest are in the same boat wait for their own assessment um, and the league in general is is kind of just all over the place with these punishments you know manchester city of course is still waiting for their 115 charges uh could they be just demoted from the league altogether who knows uh chelsea have have had an instance as well but a little different little different case here where chelsea self-reported and and admitted to things happening during the roman abramovich era that were out of the new owner's control so i don't know how much the, the league is going to, you know, kind of look at that and punish them in that instance. Uh, I think it's a little different than kind of going through an investigation and finding that you covered things up. So we'll see what happens there. Um, yeah, I, we'll see what happens. I mean, we knew that there was an appeal in place. You, you expected Everton to get some points back. Of course, they don't get all 10 back. But if you're, you know, if you're Sean Deitch, uh, this is good news. We touched on it as well on Sunday that, you know, if you're Luton, you wanted it, you wanted to know sooner than later if, if Everton was the team that you're fighting or if now you're fighting for somebody else. And so Newton, you know, Nottingham Forest who have struggled of late are your next, your next victim up uh, four points a gap. So we'll see if, if Luton can cover that gap. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see another storyline that's coming across is Paul Pogba for, 
year ban when it comes to doping. It was nice knowing you, Paul. Um, you gave us some good years, but you unfortunately did it to yourself. Um, so end of a career, a career that will leave a lot of people disappointed. But at the end of the day, his, resu his resume was still great with winning a World Cup. One of the best players on that World Cup team as well. That was Prime Paul. And then, you know, you'll always have his Juventus days. Never, never really did what I wanted him to do at United. But as a United hater, I was okay with that. But just an uber talented lad who just couldn't hit, you know, the standard that everyone wanted to have for him. Totally different player for the national team than club. Uh, like you said, of course, the World Cup winner, huge contributor to that squad. This is... Euro winner as well, no? Uh, no. No? Okay. Sorry. No. Um, just really disappointing, though, especially for, you know... A, a, a young player like this, uh, this news is just hitting as we're recording this. So uh, it's still kind of determining the the factors here, but looks like a four year ban. Um, like you said, kind of the end of the road at 30 years old, especially coming off a knee injury um, that's been, you know, hampering him for a, a while. But again, really disappointing a talent, uber talented kid, like you said, um, that really just didn't live up to the expectations at the club level, but a player that when, whenever was in, was ever in form was arguably a world-class talent. So uh, you just hope that, you know, um, history looks at him in a, in a positive light and a, as a world cup winner and, uh, and a potential, you know, unfortunate circumstance of the sport. Yeah. But uh, let's get to the best part of the show predictions for this weekend. We're going to do very Fire rapid, very rapid because we are over an hour now. Um, but I'm just going to shoot these at you. We'll go ahead and do it. All right. Starting off on Friday with Lazio Milan. Lazio Milan. Well, I think every Lazio is for you is a nap game, but Lazio Milan, let's hear it. 2 0 Milan. 2 0 Milan away. Okay. I like that. I'm going to go 1 1 here. Milan Lazio. Monaco PSG. I, one one. I don't even know how to preface that. One one. 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 Wow. So so you you know you shit on Ren two days ago, but now you're you're on the Monaco bandwagon. I I just can't get a pulse for you and PSG. I'm gonna go two two, two two here, two two here. Yeah. Um, Freiburg, Bayern, Munich. Lost some really good Friday games. Two zero, Freiburg. Wow. Wow. I wish I could clip that. That is that is a bold take. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two one Bayern. I hate it. I hate myself for saying that, but I just think they're gonna get the winning ways after that win against Leipzig. Manchester Derby. Six zero city. <laughs> You're kidding me. Oh my I'm god. Not. Oh no. I'm going four nil city, man. We are, could be put in a blender if this does not go well for us. Athletic club. Act, okay. Yeah. Athletic club, Barcelona after the Copa del Rey on Sunday. Two, one Barcelona. I'm going 
2-0 Barcelona, I think, after the the midweek game. Could go to ET, possibly. I think Athletic Club are going to be tired. No Nico Williams as well, because he got a red card in the last game. So I, therefore, am picking Barca. Athletic, Atletico Madrid versus Betis. Um, Betis, 1-0, especially after Atleti <sighs> playing today. You, you took what I was going to do. Um, I'm going to go 1-1 now. Uh, Atletico Madrid can't back them at all. Atalanta Juve off a big loss. Uh, Atalanta, 2-0. Wow. No allegory for you. Um, I'm going to go 1-1 uh, here. Um, let's see here. Sorry. Napoli Juve. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Atalanti, I messed that up. Um, PSV Feyenoord. We'll come back to that. PSV 2-0, although this league was already wrapped up weeks ago. But I think PSV just make a statement victory here. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Um, Portuguese league, Porto versus Benfica. This is huge for the title for Benfica. Moss win game. The one game I don't have a rapid reaction to. Um, Porto, 1-0. Porto, Porto 1-0. I'm going to back Benfica here. Could have gone to draw get a 1-0 win. Um, or draw would probably... And to go back to Syria, because I was thinking Juve twice, Atalanta plays Bologna. Excuse me. Oh, that's a big matchup. Big matchup. Big matchup. My fault. Two two draw. Two two draw. I'm gonna get one one draw, but I'm agreeing with 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 the draw here. And then Napoli play Juventus, which well that changes you know, things too. Two big games there. Um, yeah, huge. Napoli three one. Wow, I'm giving Napoli a one no one here, um, but I don't feel confident in that. But thank you guys for sticking with us throughout this whole morning episode. Um, like I said before, you know, check out the XI of the week that I posted on YouTube. See if you agree with it. We had I added a few things, so we'll see if if the the rounders, if you will, like it. Um, follow us on Twitter at Full Time Roundup and subscribe, like, rate five stars, and download. Have a great weekend.